One dictionary defines a paradox, a paradox as a situation or a statement that seems impossible or really difficult to understand because it contains two opposing facts. This gospel reading is paradoxical. On the one hand, Jesus in his baptism experiences God's presence, experiences the Spirit of God descending like a dove from the heavens, and hears the voice, you are my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And all of this happens before Jesus himself has even opened his mouth or done anything in Mark's gospel which implies that this relationship that Jesus has with his father, with the Abba, with the mother, with the divine parent, the maker of all things and all people, that relationship is one of sheer gift. It's not determined by achievement or anything. It's just a complete gift. Jesus experiences all of that in his baptism. We do too but more about that in a moment. And immediately, as Mark puts it, that same spirit that descends like a gentle, beautiful, mesmerizing dove immediately casts Jesus out into the wilderness. This is, in the original language, a a strange, troubling, fascinating verb to use to describe what's happening to Jesus. Cast him out into the wilderness. If you looked at all the ways cast out gets used in the four Gospels, the main way it gets used is when a demon is cast out by Jesus or God from a person. So this is odd. This is strange. Jesus, like a demon, is being cast out into the wilderness. This word, cast out, is also related to our same word in English for ball. Jesus is being thrown like a ball into the wilderness. It's related to the word for parable, parabolo, how how a parable casts together two very different and disparate things. So all of this is in this word where Jesus is being cast out strangely, mysteriously into the wilderness. We read this gospel on the first Sunday in Lent and it pairs really well, obviously. We are on our 40-day journey in the season of Lent into our own wilderness. We, like Jesus during this season of Lent, are invited into moments of solitude. Yes, we gather like this morning as a community, but Lent, if it's going to be characterized by reflection, by by, by changes in patterns, by awareness, is going to require of us moments alone, moments of solitude. And we are definitely on a journey with twists and turns and confusion like the opening procession. (laughs) Just a little liturgical humor. (laughs) All of which means, all of which means, 
that our lives, like Jesus's, our lives are paradoxical too. In baptism, one of the words that's used by the priest in baptism is the word forever. You are marked as Christ's own forever. As the epistle says this morning, it's baptism that saves us. It's baptism that that, that shows us that we have a permanent, unchanging, everlasting relationship with God that is not determined by achievement. As Broderick put it in his Ash Wednesday sermon, what is true of Jesus is true of us. That relationship is one of pure gift, pure gift. I had a youth minister in high school, and this was so comforting in high school. There's, he used to say, there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore or any less. There's so many different angles and approaches to this reality of a permanent relationship with God and with others. I think of one powerful angle on it. Um, Have you read or seen the movie Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson? If you haven't, I highly suggest either one or both. Brian Stevenson is is a lawyer in my home state in Montgomery, Alabama, and he he advocates um, for people who are on death row. He also advocates for the abolition of the death penalty. But he has, I heard him say once, um, each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. And in this context here, I I would add, we're also more than the best thing we've ever done. This relationship with God is not determined by achievement. It's a complete gift that we're always on the receiving end of and we are on a journey a journey with Jesus that is mysterious and dangerous with a lot of ups and downs as we follow Christ into that wilderness now the wilderness oh it looks different for each person um the gospel, the way this, this Mark's gospel tells about the wilderness Jesus faces, Mark doesn't give us in any detail. If it were last year and we were reading Matthew, Matthew would give us a lot of detail about the temptations that Jesus faces in the wilderness, but not Mark. He tells it fast, and I think, therefore, as a preacher, we, we can imagine and should imagine what that wilderness is with a lot of room for imagination. So I think about someone I knew who really faced a, a wilderness. In my first parish where I worked, I was the curate. And they were incredibly patient. Um, and, and, and they had a great sense of humor. They had a tradition of... of having curates, and this is in Alabama, and and I've told some of you this story before, but it bears repeating, they they called curates um, collard greens. (laughs) And I was, and and I think about, um, I eventually became the rector of the parish, but I think about one one of my predecessors as rector 
a couple of decades back, Charlie. And Charlie had long since retired and long since come back to the pews. And it was wonderful because you would see him every Sunday. And everybody did. And it was just wonderful. And Charlie was married to Mary McKimmon. And Mary was spectacular and an EFM and EFM mentor and in all the Bible studies. And we just loved her too. And I had never experienced, because I was a collard green and I was 27, 28. And then I think in about my 29th year, Charlie, Mr. McKimmon, got Parkinson's. And, and I had never, I just hadn't been seen, experienced that yet. And, and, and each, not every Sunday, but, but every couple months you would see Charlie, and every few months, and you would see the change in his life. Um, down through the years, you know, it, it Mary walked with him as faithfully as she could, and eventually, and thank God, she had the resources and, and health insurance, and she got Charlie moved into a facility. I still actually remember the name of it. It was called Morningside, and we'd go visit Charlie there at Morningside. It's on the banks of the Tennessee River, and we, we, we tried the best we could to, to support Mary and Charlie, too, and I remember, and this is why I think about it, there was a guy in our Bible study with Mary, a guy named Jack, whom I just loved. Um, Jack Charlton, he's since gone to glory too. And, and Jack was talking to me about Mary and giving her a compliment. And he knew all that was going on in her life for years. And this is what he said. He said, Mary has a high tolerance for ambiguity. And he meant that as a profound compliment. And indeed it is. The wilderness looks different for each of us. And unfortunately, the wilderness is not really a liturgical experience in church. But as it looks different for each of us, I suspect that for all of us, one day, the wilderness will include the awareness of not being completely in control. During this season of Lent, which is a preparation for Easter, a preparation for more baptisms, but above all, a preparation for what we will face at different seasons of our lives when we can't predict, much less control, what those seasons will be. But during this season of Lent, let us remember the paradox. We are loved unconditionally and infinitely. And we are on a journey with Jesus into the wilderness, into that place one old prayer calls the changes and chances of this life.